Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This bugs for you, Mizzou. Receiver wide open. It's Tyler Beatty with the first touchdown of the Eli Drinkwitz era at Missouri. Don't be afraid to be great. You don't get no better than that, man. He's like wide open receiver across midfield. Still going. Missouri. Amazing. First and nine. This is the Mazzotcast. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to the Mazzotcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is my longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? Well, Colin, it's uh, been an interesting week. I think we were talking about doing a podcast after Mizzou basketball's surprising win over Texas A&M. And since then, shitloads of Mizzou stuff has happened. Yeah, that's true. I guess the big thing, since we're uh, ostensibly a football podcast, we ought to talk about the big football news that happened today. Uh, word broke that Steve Wilkes, our uh, defensive coordinator, was leaving his job for his old job, the Carolina Panthers. So um, we'd heard rumors earlier in the week that he was interviewing with the New York Giants, and it was obvious that he was looking. So uh, Mizzou, once again, is without a coordinator. Yeah, I think this is just a classic case of a guy who doesn't want to recruit. And <laughs> that's fine. Honestly, though, I mean, that's fine. you got a guy who knows football and can be a defensive coordinator or, or at, at, at anywhere he wants, at any level he wants. And he went and he played around in college and he realized, like, Eli Drinkwitz is going to want me on the road all the time recruiting because that's what he do. That's how he roll. And this guy's like, fuck that. I don't want to do that. There's a lot. There's sons of coaches that have made that transition from NFL to college and then said, bunk this. It's too much work. But I don't begrudge Steve Wilkes for taking this job. It's, it's, tons of guys have done this. They go to the NFL. When they find out the college game requires whining and dining and 69ing 17 and 18-year-olds to come play for their program. And I think especially with somebody like Drinkwitz, that is such an emphasis for him that Wilkes probably like, you know what? This is just going to suck. That's <laughs> a lot, lot more 17-year-old whining and dining than I want to do. Well, Colin, I, I just think it's the reason why you are weary of hiring NFL guys. It almost has never worked out for Mizzou. I mean, look at Derek Dooley, for Christ's sakes. But when those guys, when a guy like Steve Wilkes comes to Mizzou, it's not because Mizzou was his dream job. He was a head coach for the Arizona Cardinals in the NFL. He wants to be back in the NFL. He's going to go back to the NFL as soon as opportunity knocks. And anytime you get a guy from the NFL, now he may not get, you know, Steve Wilkes got this job and it's a dream job for him because he's from Florida anyway. He knows the program, but like 
of course he's going to go to the NFL. Like, what else is he going to do? And the weird thing, I think, from a Mizzou standpoint, if you're a Mizzou fan, I think I speak for the entire fan base when I say, like, four or five games into the season, we all wanted him fucking gone. You know, like he, yeah. he, he took, he had his, uh, what is back? His defensive line coach took a fucking bullet for him. And then he, he turned it around. I think we all kind of turned around on Steve Wilkes because mm-hmm. the defense vastly improved. But I do wonder a couple of things. One, recruiting on the road 24 seven all year round sucks when you could be sitting on a beach somewhere. And if you have NFL credentials and you think you can get back in the NFL, you're going to jump ship. So we're going to be fucked out of it. You know what I mean? Like a guy who can go to the NFL is going to go to the NFL. He's not going to stay at Mizzou. Also, I just wonder about Steve Wilkes. The type of defense he ran was obviously very complicated. There was a lot of misdirection and guys had to defend a space rather than a guy. And it took our unit a long time to figure it out. And in today's college football world, where you're borrowing players for a year or two years from the transfer portal or they, if they're really good from a freshman they get you know they, they leave i don't know if 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 college athletes can figure this they just don't have enough practice time like they do in the nfl to figure out a complicated defense and i mean maybe other defenses can but mizzou couldn't this year and i don't know if we would be able to you know a bunch of new guys would have to relearn it this year i don't know I, I'm speculating, but I just I'm I'm mixed emotions about Steve Wilkes' departure because on the downside for us, I feel like it's more shuffling the deck, which is always hard on a program. It's nice to have some stability, and the defense did turn it around. But on the other hand, you know this is a guy I wanted canned, of, you know, in October of this year. I couldn't have been happier for Steve Wilkes to be gone in October. So I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. Bring back Steck. <laughs> but I mean, what do you think about during what's his hiring process? I mean, I don't know. I don't, don't you think when you're hiring a guy who just got canned out of the NFL, the second he gets another NFL job, even at the coordinator level, he's going to leave you like you're not going to have him for five years. You're not going to have a Here's guy. That's what I think. I want, I think Drinkowitz and on a deep on the defensive side was a proven commodity. He wants somebody who he does not have to think about the defense at all. And that's why Steve Wilkes is a fit. Dave C. Wilkes had his defense. He wanted to run it. He knew how to run it. He wasn't going to require anything of Drinkwitz to do it. Yeah. So the question is now, who is he going to look to to make the replacement? Um, Will Muschamp. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, DJ Smith is a name that's been thrown around. Obviously, he is a coach already in house. That would be the easiest move, I guess. I don't know. I, 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 you say Will Muschamp jokingly, Colin, but just even the thought of it makes shivers go down my spine. Well, I think Will Muschamp is just your typical Barry Odom. I think he's a he's a good coordinator who's not a head coach. And despite the fact that people keep trying to make Will Muschamp a head coach, he's not. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, he's had success as a coordinator, and uh, so I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it necessarily. Well, he's a fucking uh, but, lunatic on the sidelines sometimes. Yeah, but he's your D coordinator. I mean, he he may be in the booth. He may be. In the, I mean. Yeah, I don't know. It'll all come down to drink, but I I think that what Drinkwitz is looking for is is somebody who's established. He doesn't. I that's the reason I worry about him hiring from the inside because even though this kid is a Mizzou in house person, if he's never been the the man, I don't. I I think Drinkwitz wants somebody who's been the man because I really I just feel like he doesn't want to have to fuck with the defense and he doesn't yeah, want to have mean, to have a newbie out there trying to pop his coordinator cherry, you know. <laughs> yeah. drink. I know what you're saying, Colin. And Steve Wilkes obviously is a seasoned defensive coach, but I mean, Drink took a flyer on him in a way because he'd never coached at the college level and he was busting his coordinator cherry in college. 
And we, we lost games because of it, frankly. You know what I mean? Yeah, what, but he was a vet. He was a vet who'd been a head coach in the NFL. I don't think Drinkwitz foresaw his struggles. Clearly uh, not. I just, I'm betting my money. I'm betting Drinkwitz doesn't go with a young guy. I bet he doesn't go with a first time. Uh, that's just my, my guess. Yeah. Well, I hope you're right because I uh, I think we have been trying out too many guys over the last few years. Both because uh, popping your cherry, Brendan, doesn't take very long, but it's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. True enough. Uh, well, I mean, besides the, the departure of Steve Wilkes, things have been going Mizzou's way, I think. On the recruiting front, Drinkwitz seems very comfortable with the transfer portal. Drinkwitz picked up a running back and Nathaniel Pete, who's a hometown kid from Columbia, but had gone to Stanford, was their leading rusher last year, and really assured up the uh, running back. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Position, I think, even with the departure of Tyler Beatty, uh, Pete's got experience. That's good. And we've seen what we, we know what Cox and Elijah Young can do. So, I mean, I think we're going to have a much more of a rotation at the running back core this year, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, I mean, there's some pretty big shoes to fill with Tyler Beatty. So, you ho- I mean, I think variety is the spice of life. Bring in plenty of the talent, see who uh, who uh, rises to the top. Yeah, and then my biggest question on the offense right now, outside of who will be our starting quarterback, obviously, is the tight end. I mean, every tight end we had under the sun left us. Well, we got one recruit in. So, I don't know. Like, again, I think tight end is one of those positions that you'd love to have a good one. But if, you know, as far as positions you can – you know, patch it together. I think tight end is one of those positions because really what you have to have them do is block. And if they can catch and run the football, that is great. But he, what you need them to do is block. And I think you can always convert some undersized lineman into a blocking tight end. And it depends on, I mean, Drinkowitz, at least to this point, has not had a tight end heavy offense by That's any right. stretch of the imagination either. So I don't know how much of an emphasis, t- you know, Drinkowitz has even put on it, which may be the reason we see so much turnover and the reason we see Parker whining about, you know, not feeling like he was, uh, got his, um, uh, his day at Mizzou or whatever, but uh, I, I, maybe Drinkowitz just is in a, uh, attractive location for tight ends, or maybe he just hasn't found one. But like I said, that, that really, I feel like is the least of our worries. I mean, I do worry about it getting a new defensive coordinator. You know what I mean? Like we just got defense kind of sort of going on the right track and then we're going to get all over again. And, um, you know, quarterback's a question mark next season, running back's a qu- question mark next season. There's, there's a lot of question marks uh, yeah. around this football team. I think everybody's optimistic, but there's there's a lot of question marks. 
Yeah, I think, you know, I've seen early predictors uh, with Mizzou at like four wins on the year. And I think that is um, the most pessimistic out- outlook, but it's hard to fault people for picking Mizzou low in the coming season when they don't even know who the starting quarterback is going to be. They don't know who the running back is going to be. They don't know who one of the coaches is. You know, th- these questions lingering out there can't lend an outsider any confidence yeah. in this program. I still feel like the core of this team is very strong and the guys we have experience with are good players. People coming in to replace last year's squad are on the whole better. There's no reason to be overly optimistic about this coming season, really. But because it even with the a very encouraging recruiting class coming in to ask those guys as freshmen to come in and compete uh, at a high level. The SEC is not realistic. I mean, maybe Luther Burden because he's such a superior talent, maybe Sam Horn, but you know, it's just, it's hard to ask a bunch of kids to just be men because that's really what you're doing on a, on a college football team. You're trying to turn these guys into men who can compete with Georgia and Alabama. And that's a tall order for a fucking 18 year old, 19 year old, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I mean, I think the biggest question is the quarterback, Sam Horn. I think it's looking more and more likely that he is going to be on campus. I think the threat to Sam Horn not being here was that he'd be drafted by baseball. And fuck, we don't even know if baseball is going to have a draft. And he's not on any top 100 picks list for the draft. I think he will be a Mizzou Tiger come September. Will he start? I don't think so right away. I mean, I just don't think you start an incoming freshman quarterback. So, but we got Cook, and we know that Cook is serviceable. He's fine. He's fine. He is fine. I think he'll be fine. And so, if he's fine, which I think he'll be fine. Me too. He'll be fine. Yes. Then you work in some reps for Horn, and and if Horn wows you, then maybe he takes over at some point in the season. I mean, I don't know. We. I could also see a scenario where Cook shits the bed, like sort of like Robinson did, and uh, when Basilak got the job. Cook shits the bed and immediately we got now we got true freshman Sam Horn slinging it. But I hope not. I mean, honestly, if I had my druthers, I'd say I wish Sam Horn would just outright win the job as a freshman. And that would be what I would want. But I don't like again, I don't think that's realistic to expect. It isn't uh, likely. I mean, just it's just rare that you see an SEC quarterback start from day one when they come on the campus as a freshman in the first game. But he's got the playbook in hand. He's reading it. He's going to be just as experienced. Now he's not going to play spring ball. And so I think that is lends another marble in the bucket of Cook starting. But either way, I don't think quarterback position, while it's a question mark, th- there's not like emergency sirens going off at the quarterback position. We have solutions to it. It's just yeah, we don't I know think, what the solution is yet. I think that bowl start for Cook alleviated a lot of concerns with, okay, this guy looks serviceable. He'll be fine. Fine. I think he's fine. And uh, so everybody's like, well, at least we'll have a quarterback that's fine. Mm-hmm. And then you then you kind of you, you know rub your hands together and think, oh, well, maybe Sam Horn will uh, you know be something special, or maybe Macon or whoever else will make a big improvement between now and then, or whatever. But you know, at the end of the day, you've got something back there that's going to be fine. It'll be fine, Colin. I think too that uh, Luther Burden. And the attention that Luther Burton will draw from defenses will make whatever quarterback we have look slightly better than <laughs> than they would have if Luther yeah, Burton. And it'll was. be important that they establish a quarter, a running back. You know, a, a yeah. establish a running game. It's always a quarterback's best friend. And that's like I said, that is a question mark. But I mean, running backs. I mean, I guess I'm, I shouldn't say this, but it's like, who gives a fuck? They're interchangeable. I mean, you got guys like Tyler Beatty who are just all world. But even if you don't have a Tyler Beatty, if, can you find a guy who can run in a straight line fast? Yeah, that's probably doable. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like it's like 
you don't want to draft running backs early in the first round if you're in the NFL because it's like, wow, there's just so many guys that can run in a straight line fast. No, it's. I feel like uh, middle infielders and running backs are treated in the same way for uh, professional leagues these days. And you're right. I think, and we've got depth there. I mean, we he has bolstered that position. Um, like you mentioned, that Buffalo tight end Tyler Stevens has come in from the portal. He's got experience. It may not be at the Power Five level yet, but like you, you also said, that Drinkwitz has shown over the last two years, he's not a tight end heavy. Offense, he prefers blocking tight ends. And if you're getting a guy from Buffalo, maybe he's ha- perfectly happy to do that here. Daniel Parker Jr. obviously wasn't. I think you're right. That The number one red flag right now that has to be addressed is getting that defensive coordinator. And if there's anybody who is on our defense and is now thinking about the transfer portal, knowing that he doesn't have a coordinator on his team anymore – you know, you got to yeah. shore that shit up too. And the thing about the portal is that, uh, you know, Lane Kiffin's declared himself the king of the portal and all that bullshit. And, uh, but that's exactly what it is. But the portal is open 24 seven. Like we're going to see more transfers in and out. And ultimately, the question I think you have to address with your team every year now is, did you gain more than you lost from the portal? Because we did lose. I can answer that question for Conzo Martin. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, this episode of the Mazzotcast is brought to you by The Portal. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. But yeah, I think Drinkwitz, I, I do not have any questions about Drinkwitz's recruiting. I don't have any worries about his his place in the portal. I think him and Kiffin twittered back and forth to each other uh, this week. You know, I don't know if anybody saw that Drinkwitz basically tweeted out uh, him and Billy Snowman with his daughters. And uh, Kiffin's like, sounds good, but no thanks or something like that. And he's had a picture of him on the beach. I think it's a good thing. It raises Drinkwitz's profile, but I, I think it also belies that the, the Kiffins of the world see Drinkwitz as a bit of a rival, a nemesis. You know what I mean? Like, oh, here's another guy who's a little bit, got some personality, who's gregarious, knows how to use social media. Like, he's a threat. Well, I, it's not the first time that Drinkwitz and Lane Kiffin have sort of played grab ass on social media. You know, and I, I do, I wonder if, you know, at, when the coaches are together, SEC media days, I wonder if the Drinkwitzes and the Lane Kiffins are cut from similar cloth. I mean, I think, uh, you know, Lane Kiffin's more of a cokehead night owl kind of guy than Drinkwitz. But I think before Drinkwitz has his glass of milk and goes to bed at 845, he hangs out with the Lane Kiffins. Yeah, I think I think they're, they are. I think they're similar guys in personality, if maybe not hobbies. I, I'm, I, I'm not sure that... Um, you know, Drankwitz enjoys cocaine as much as probably Len Kiffin does. But, yeah. Um, that's okay. I'm not going to hold that against him. Hey, guys, this episode of Mazodcast brought to you by cocaine. It's pretty good. <laughs> anyway, it's better than so fine. I, <laughs> it is better than fine. But that's, what I'm, that's basically what I'm alluding to is I think Kiffin sees a bit of a threat in him. Like, I'm supposed to be the guy. I mean, I'm glad they're on friendly terms, but I think what is really shows is that you can't look at Drinkwitz and what he's doing in the recruiting uh, cycle and think, uh oh, this guy might be for real. I think that's what Mizzou fans feel like. We're not sold on him just yet, but it's like it's hard to argue with this class. He's filling holes in the portal, but he's not just getting tight ends from Buffalo. You know, recently he's filled like I, the biggest loss I think we had. I mean, you can say Connor Bazelak, but I don't Bingo. think so. It was Wingo. Yeah, Mickey Wingo, the defensive end. That guy can eat a whole bag of dicks for all I can. Yeah, I don't know why he left with a fucking torch in the bridge on his way out saying it was instability and bullshit like that. I mean, maybe he knew that uh, Maybe he knew that Wilkes was going to go and it wasn't bullshit. I think he was just laying cover fire for him and his fucking high school coach who were up, who, you know, like, I don't want to say that it, it's just because I want to play tummy sticks with my old coach. So I'm going to, you know, throw a grenade as I walk at the door. F that guy. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a shitty way to go out. And it was obvious he's going to go to LSU when his coach went there. And I don't know why he had to shit on the Tigers when he did it. But Drinkwitz went out to North Carolina and got Tyrone Hopper, who could, yeah. be, could be as good or better than Wingo. And then after that, got a linebacker, Tyron Hopper. The only difference in their name is an apostrophe and an E. I think, are they cousins? It's Hopper 1 and Hopper 2, kind of like uh, Dr. Yeah. Seuss. Sure, sure. But uh, Tyron is a Florida linebacker. So here you got a guy from Florida with experience coming out here. You got a Stanford running back with experience playing. We've got guys from Oklahoma State. We've got Power 5 guys who have played football at this level before. And unlike a well-regarded but untested freshman coming in, these guys should be able to plug and play. Agreed. Like I said, it's all very exciting when it comes to the football team at this point. Well, you want to get not excited, I guess, Colin? We could talk basketball. Uh. <laughs> well, and I think we should talk basketball. And before we do, I, I have a, a goal in mind because I don't want it. I don't want it to just be a dump on Conzo Fest because we have been hard on. I mean, it's been obvious all year long that this just ain't working out, and we've been loud and proud saying it because not everybody is willing to say that the sky is blue, but I think we should be willing to admit that the team has played markedly better since the days that they were getting blown out by 30 and 40 points in embarrassing historical fashions to some of our biggest rivals and uh, just absolutely humiliating as well as losing to like UMKC. Now we're losing by one and two every single time, but we have to recognize they are playing better. They played Auburn, the number one team in the country, down to the wire. They should, frankly, yes, won that did. game. Better they, coach, they probably would have. Right. They beat Texas A&M. They blew leads against Ole Miss, and then obviously last night, Vanderbilt, they pl- played a close game. It had been back and forth for a while. The second half, they pretty much they showed up for a little bit in the middle, just enough time for People who like Conzo to say things were going right, and then they went the. La- I think they scored one bucket in the last five minutes of play, maybe a free throw. I think it was all they well, got. How many? They, they were over what fifteen or something from the three point line. They ended up the game of the game. Yeah, so they started out zero for sixteen from the three point line. Why they were shooting that many three pointers in the first place is beyond me. But obviously they didn't make them. They finished five for twenty five from the three point. They are abysmal shooters. They should not shoot three pointers. This three-pointers should ought to be decoys. We should never – I mean, obviously, Vanderbilt defense I, was giving us those shots because they knew we could not make them. And the fact that these teams shoot so poorly is just inexcusable. It, it was hard to watch. They're playing better, yes, but they're not playing winning basketball, and they're making the same mistakes over and over again. Well, I mean, two stats that I'm that people are not going to want to throw out there when they love Conzo is – what do we average for the Conzo era in turnovers per game? And what is our, what do we average in scoring? Cause at the end of the day, you got to put the ball in the goddamn hoop to win and we don't do it. And we turn the ball over too much. I had a guy last night say, oh, we've only had nine turnovers. I'm like, well, we got to double digits. If that makes you feel better. We, only, we you know what? We only had 10 turnovers. You know what I mean? Like I just, and that's the sad point is that is a good outcome for this team. You know, like yeah. we are turnover crazy. We always have been under Conzo. It's just, it's always been a bit of an undisciplined mess. And it, uh, I don't know. I, I, it's the gray has the lowest basketball IQ of anyone I've ever met. The Gordon kids, I mean, it's hard to watch. The Brazil kid, I like him. Oh, he's, you Kobe watch him. Kobe Brown, you know, gives you everything he's got. He's just, Kobe Brown's a perfect example of a guy who's having to do too much for his skill level. Well, sure. I mean, Kobe Brown is probably the most talented player on the team. I also like watching Brazil. He seems just smooth as silk out there. You know, he had an amazing block shot and a great three-pointer when we needed it. 
But Kobe Brown, for as good as he is, he fouls out all the time. He fouled out against Vanderbilt. Um, it reminds me of Jeremiah Tillman, who never fixed that. You know, he got slightly more disciplined by his yeah. senior year. But, well, you know, why is our best player fouling out we don't constantly? Have, we don't have a point guard. And it's just, we're just a team with a – you can see it as they play. We're just a team with a pretty low basketball IQ. And then you combine that with a coach that, in my opinion, has a pretty low basketball IQ. And I told you this, Brennan, I think I've said it in other episodes, Conzo Martin to me looks like a guy who has played basketball, been around basketball his whole life, but is not intrinsically, instinctually a basketball coach. He is doing his best impression of what he thinks a basketball coach should be, but it's why the mismatch is on the floor. It's why certain guys are on the floor time. He doesn't know that Brazil should be out there to defend the rim at the end of the game. It doesn't had to occur to him. You know, he doesn't know he should call a timeout now. He's got to have somebody, you know, he knows a coach should call timeouts at certain points, so he calls them, but he doesn't know when to call them. He doesn't know, he doesn't know when to foul to stop a clock at the end of the game. Like he is a nice guy who's doing his best impression of a basketball coach, but he in and of himself is not a good basketball coach. He doesn't, doesn't know what to fucking do. Another example of that is Caleb Brown has been filling in the point guard role since we don't have a point guard and haven't had the entire season. Anton Brookshire, who was heralded as a freshman to come in and sort of, he was always a sort of combo guard, but he'd been running the point and just an abysmal shooter. I think he shoots 15 fucking percent from three point range. Just absolutely an offensive nothing atrocious and atrocious. so caleb brown gets a shot and lo and behold the offense moved a little bit when we beat texas a&m caleb brown played well he played well again against vanderbilt but it's just like what i don't know it's just i don't understand why conzo sometimes he does crazy things That's because i mean he doesn't notice he doesn't realize but, he's playing well or not he just like i'm gonna throw it out there because i gotta start pick a starting lineup and i'm because i'm the coach but sometimes but Colin, I he doesn't notice one player playing better than the other because I just don't know basketball that well. I, despite the fact that I've seen it and played it, I'm just not good at it. I just That's fine. Not everybody's good at the things that they love. I'm not good at having sex. I'm terrible. It's not great. It's fine. <laughs> I don't know. What Anyways, I don't know. Well, I just like the the fact that he he seems like he won't make moves sometimes i'm like you're getting beat by 30 and 40 points like why don't you make why are you mixing it up now like why weren't you mixing it up way earlier uh, i don't know basketball why. this basketball team gives me diarrhea <laughs> well after the a&m win he was asked why he didn't start caleb brown and he's just like oh i just wouldn't want to put that kind of pressure on him and that seems so, so weird to me it's like okay so if you put him in at the five minute mark it's less pressure <laughs> was it less pressure than starting at the tip off like why is that so much so much a, a more significant amount of pressure why did you recruit these delicate faberge eggs where that you can't play at certain I, times of the game i don't think they are faberge eggs i think he treats everyone i i think there is a mentality amongst some. Realize it, and when the press asks him, he's like, "Uh, I better come up with a shit house excuse because I'm not a good coach, and I can't say that out loud." <laughs> I just think there are there's a mentality amongst some in the basketball community to try to make basketball rocket science and put out all these numbers and these strategies and these comp these things that baffle you with bullshit, and none of it addresses the reality of what numbers actually matter, like. Five for 25 from the three point line, nine wins on the year. Big, you know, these numbers matter. <laughs> and so 
I don't know. Yeah. Conzo can talk strategy, but none of it fucking... What is in- our win-loss record? It's- what is our shooting percentage? What is our win-loss record? How about these numbers that fucking make it... How, how many three-pointers did we hit? You know what I mean? Like, I just... I don't need advanced analytics to know the product on the court is not very good. And the product on the court is not very good for the fifth year in a row with the same coach. And we're going to get him back next year because that's at least that's what everybody says. Everybody says that, Brennan. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the $6 million. This is what they're saying. I'll say this, Colin. After we beat Texas A&M, if we had beaten Vanderbilt, I think there would have been a significant amount of Mizzou fans who would have sort of been like, you know what, if he gets another year, I'm fine with it. You know, because I, I think while there are some people that are just like, get Conzo out of here. I can't watch Mizzou basketball as long as Conzo's here. Goddamn, fuck that. I think most people want us to win. I mean, we, we I think we're getting labeled as sort of the like fire Conzo hard crew, but like we want him to be successful. If he were to turn things around and say, like, I don't think it's possible, but like end up winning 16 games this year, I think there'd be a lot of people who are like, well, this is wasn't. Is he going to learn how to coach between now and that point? I mean, no, but I think what I'm saying is a lot of people like would be seven. like, would, a lot of people would be like, look, this wasn't great, but it's $6 million buyout is a lot of money and I'll give him one more year. Fuck it. I'll just give him one more year. But the thing is, we didn't do that. Vanderbilt's one of the most beatable teams on our schedule. We lost to them by 10. It doesn't go that way. It didn't score for like four minutes straight. You know what I mean? Like we don't have a Scottie Pippen Jr. in our team. And Kobe Brown fouls out. He's the closest thing we have to a star player. But again, he is is indicative of Conzo Martin teams. we got Kobe Brown, who is a good player, but not a star player. But for us, he's the star because he's the best we've got. I just think a lot of Mizzou fans would be willing to jump back on the Conzo train if he could give us one little baby reason to do it. But he doesn't. He just doesn't. And we're going to end up winning. Oh, I, I, there's still plenty of people. Oh, I mean, yeah. There, I, I'm, I mean, yes, of course. Got, there are some people that are never going to leave. Batch, you got Rocky Nation constantly propping him up. And so there's always those people that are going to go, well, I read seven articles now from Rocky Nation in the post that say Conzo is a good coach and he should get a bunch of more. He should get another year for all these reasons. But so I think there's still plenty of people being fed that meal that they want to eat, like that Conzo is a good coach and that he's worthy of, of having this job. But I think it's crazy that we're still having this conversation in year five. I mean, like I said, I, I think since I've been basically since year three, I've been like, oh, what is everybody looking at that has got them impressed with this guy? <laughs> well, and well, it just keeps moving in the same direction. I, I just feel like we're beating our head against the wall with Conzo at this point. Yeah. If you guys, if, if expectations are better than what you're seeing for the last couple of years, you're wrong. I just can't imagine how you could have expectations beyond what you're seeing. You know, we're nine wins right now. Well, look at, uh, look at Brian Harson at Auburn in football. There's going to be, there's always a segment of the fan base that is, you know, I define them as cult members, you know, that they, whoever our coach is, they can do no wrong as long as they are our coach. Now they're broken of it as soon as we hire the next coach and then they start becoming cult members for that coach. But those fan, that part of the fan base will never drop their support because they think being a good fan means blind support and loyalty. Like you're a dog, you know, like you're a whipped dog, but I've never seen it that way. I think if a coach is doing a bad job, let's get us a new coach and then not do a bad job. Anyway, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I'm kind of resigned to the fact that we might have him for another year, Colin, ultimately. And the thing is that, like, there are guys on this team, Kobe Brown, Brazil, that I'd hate to lose. You know, I, I don't know if they'd be gone if we got a new coach. With the transfer portal, they probably would be. But, fuck, they may be gone anyway. You know what I mean? Like, God damn. I just yeah, – It's hard to imagine anybody's going to want to stick around for this. I mean, despite what any 
person that writes glowing articles about this team, there's a reality and there's what, what people want to believe. And the reality is, is that we're not a very good basketball team. And Conzo Martin isn't a very good coach. And until something changes, we're going to continue to be a not a very good basketball team. End of discussion, end of blog, end of article, end of argument. I've been watching the team more and more. I think part of it's just a product of it's February and this is when I really get into college basketball. But you watch the team and they play and you say, this is not the team that got beat by 40 points night in and night out. You know what I mean? This is not the team that got embarrassed by UMKC. There is talent on this team. And then when you see that, it does make you think, well, if there's talent on the team, if they can play the number one team in the country close, why can't they ever win? Why is the AM win the aberration? And why isn't the, the Vanderbilt loss? Vanderbilt loss is like common. That's what normally happens. The Vanderbilt loss should be the uncommon hiccup in the schedule, not the regular thing. So it, it comes down to coaching. And I, I see a lot more criticism in the mainstream sort of uh, Mizzou universe. I think that his his seat is as hot as it's ever been, but it doesn't mean he's gone. And I don't know. I just like, you look at our schedule coming up and we've got Ole Miss in Columbia. Ole Miss is one of the worst teams in the SEC right now. Arkansas, who just upset Auburn. Two games against Mississippi State. Those are winnable, I guess. Tennessee, LSU, Carolina, and Georgia. I mean, we, we jokingly said that we, the only win we saw on the SEC schedule was the Georgia game in March. And obviously, we've, we've exceeded that, but barely. We're going to end up with a Kim Anderson level record this year. And people are like, well, Conzo era is nothing as bad as the Kim Anderson era. And in a way, they're right. We've made two in NCAA tournaments and we've had winning seasons. We never had winning seasons under Kim Anderson. But we're at year five now when we should be sort of like on the ascension. If you get a new coach, you think by the fifth well, year, things Kim are going to be rolling. An epic disaster. An epic disaster that never should have been hired. Yeah. You know what I mean? From day one, that was, you should say, complete disaster. I was like, I couldn't believe they did it, honestly. So, I mean, comparing him to Kim Anderson, I just feel like it's not fair. Kim Anderson was just such a such a bad idea and such an abortion. Well, that we, cannot be the bar. Well, Colin, we're going to, we may not exceed the bar this year. You know what I mean? Like, we're at nine wins and there's no guarantee. That's what I'm saying. Like, don't say, oh, he's better than Kim Anderson. So that's something. I mean, like, anybody's better than Kim Anderson. It was, that was such a you know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, oh, Kim Anderson was really bad. And see, we're so much better than we were with Kim Anderson. Like, well, what an incredibly low bar to jump. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, and the, that's been my my argument, Brennan, basically since the beginning. Like, where is the bar at? I think we as fans need to ask ourselves, what are our expectations for this program? Because right now, to read some of this stuff and to be on Twitter and see what these people are saying is to be go, my God, how bad are we? How bad? far have we fallen that the that we have just like literally if this guy doesn't walk to the center court and take a bm right in the middle of the fucking half court we're happy like it's not so bad well whatever you hang your hat on to support Conzo, you're i just feel like you're running out of options for that because we've been bad for the out of the gate because we knew that we completely laid a fucking egg in the offseason with the transfer portal. We knew it going into the season. Everybody knew it was going to be rough. We probably didn't know it was going to be as rough as it has been. But the fact that we do not have any point guard and on top of that, no one can shoot the ball. If you're a guy who likes a coach who's good at recruiting and putting together a roster, you can't like Conzo Martin. But then you get in game with the players we have and you think, well, maybe he'll make the best of what we've got. And we lose the Auburn game by not fouling, depending on us getting an off a rebound in a game where we've been 
sorely out-rebounded, like a crazy in-game decision. And you think, well, in-game decision-making, I can't like Conzo because of that. And then you just start to, and player development, guys constantly leave the program and you think, well, I can't like Conzo for that. What as a coaching skill set are you hanging on at this point? We yeah. shouldn't be Conzo up and we have, I think we're just constantly, and the worst part is, is I think the people who are listening to this podcast probably agree with us. Yeah. Well, I, and so th- this, this message that really needs to be heard is probably not reaching a lot of people that need to hear it, but it's, it's the truth. I wish they could hear it. Cause it's just, I think if it was put in perspective for them a little bit, you know, because if all you're getting is, you know, he's a pretty good coach and here's the reasons why, but things aren't making sense right now, but he's still a pretty good coach. He gives his team a consistent chance to win. And like, what are you talking about? It's hard to fathom, really. I mean, it, it makes you question the, I don't know, like you said uh, very early on, like they just a bunch of people want to argue that the sky is not blue. Well, when we're getting beat by UMKC, Liberty, Kansas by 40 points, I don't know how you can say with a straight face that he's always putting us in a position to win because he's not always doing that. He's often not. I think the advanced analytics stuff and the people who hang on it, like it makes them feel like they're really knowledgeable basketball people. I think what they're missing and we're seeing in real time is that advanced analytics can also be used as an excuse when a guy like Conzo Martin is saying he's got a plan and he talks a good game and he says a lot of basketball words and he uses a lot of numbers, then you think, well, this guy seems like he knows things about basketball because he's saying basketball stuff. But then when they don't happen and the press says, hey, what happened here? Why did you shoot 15% from the three-point line? Why did you get beat by 30 points? You have to start put on this sort of uh, monorail salesman advanced analytics song and dance all over again to make an excuse why your shit is clearly not working. And instead of saying, I suck at this, you've got to make an excuse. And that's where the advanced analytics comes in. Now, it's not always. If you use the right analytics, it can be a useful tool, but not every number matters. And at some point, it is just excuse making, or it's using a very convoluted way to say that what you're seeing with your eyes is not what's actually happening. And people like to believe it because they see statistics and they're impressed and they're wowed and they start to spin their eyes and they're like, I don't understand what those numbers mean, but they sure look smart. We'll end on this and just simply say the only the only number that matters is wins and loss at the end of the day. And yeah. Conzo's got nine wins right now. I don't think we're going to get to 20, folks. And that's the bar that Colin and I, we were talking about earlier today. That's kind of our bar. And people say, well, you know, you can't expect every team to be good every year and, and uh, you know, win national championships. And it's like, no, but you can't expect them to be in the top 68 of all teams. And 20 wins is a bar that, you know, growing up, I did expect the Tigers to reach. If it was a year that we didn't get 20 wins, I considered it a down year. Agreed. It doesn't happen very often anymore. And, and we have more games than ever. It should be easier to get 20 wins. It really should. And like I said, I think that that ultimate number, like I said, is wins and losses. And uh, if you can't get enough wins to be one of the top 68 teams in the state, when you are the only major school in your state, you don't have, you know, you're not, you don't have a, a Mississippi state versus old miss uh, competition. You don't got an Alabama Auburn competition. You don't have a, a Louisville Kentucky competition. You're the you got two major metropolitan areas on each side of your state and, and a statewide population that is, that exceeds many of the states you're competing against. To have all of those things at your disposal and still have these issues is bad. You know, I'll say this. You know, there's been a lot of talk about you know, oh, the administration doesn't support the team the way they should. Okay, well, it's always a pretty much a generalized statement because it's hard to put a finger on what the university isn't doing for this program, but. I'll say this. 
I don't know if it's monetary, but they've all, the, the administration over the years has made very bad decisions. I mean, given the circumstances I just talked about with the population and the metropolitan areas, the lack of competition in the state, we should have been better at basketball and should have been before Conzo Martin and probably after Conzo Martin if they don't get this shit figured out. We should not be this bad at basketball. And uh, that probably does fall somewhat at the university's feet because they've hired consistently hired people who have not gotten the job done, frankly, including Conzo Martin. But it's Conzo's fault now. That's right. There's eight games left on the schedule. We have to win five of them just to reach Mount 500. Best possible scenario, we go 17 and 14. Worst case scenario, shit, we go uh, 9 and 22. I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to reach double digits. But again, we're talking low bars. We're talking Kim Anderson. Kim Anderson won 11 games in a season. That was his high watermark. Is that going to be Conzo's low watermark? I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. I mean, there's a lot going on in the, in the sports world with Mizzou right now. I'm into the basketball in that it's up in the air and we are a different team and it's been more fun to watch it. I did not watch games when we were getting beat by 30 and 40 points. I am watching us get our hearts stomped out by one or two every night, but it's just not good enough. Just not good enough. You know, everybody says he needs to recruit shooters. And um, I just don't know that – I don't know that shooters want to talk to him. I just – like I said, I'm, I'm done talking about Conzo. We, I know what he is, even if certain people in our fan base don't yet. But they'll come around. They'll yeah. find out when he gets shit canned. No, the, the cloud will be lifted over their cult member eyes. And then they'll forget all about their worship. Anyway – Spring game is around the corner. Like I said, uh, Sam Horn won't be around campus for that, but a lot of the new recruits will get a chance to see them for the first time. I am excited about the way things are shaping up. I, and, of course, we're going to have to stay on the whole defensive coordinator situation because it's going to be a huge factor in this upcoming season. Are we going to have to completely rewrite everything on the defense? I mean, surely we are, but I don't know. If they go internal, maybe not. <sighs> I don't know. I'm not as worried about it as I might be otherwise. You know, like I said, this would be a, his third defensive coordinator hire in three years. That should give you pause. But the guy's taking a fucking NFL job with the Panthers. Of course he's going to take that job. It's not a ding on Drinkwitz, but it just makes you have to, you know, just start from scratch all over again. And I guess I'm okay with it. We got a lot of time until September and football season starts. We had a, nightmarish start on defense last year surely it'll be better than that you know and expectations are low mizzou always does okay when expectations are low yeah it's nice to be the underdog all right colin we're going to come back to you whenever we do get a new defensive coordinator and we'll always have kansas news for you and all that sort of shit but uh, if you can't get enough mizzod cast action until then you can always check us out on patreon it's only three dollars a month to join the fucking party and uh you get all kinds of stuff like uh, cowboy cody yeah and nerding out Hop on Patreon. We uh, we do take it light in this time of year usually because we started this thing out in 2014 and we're like we're going to be a football podcast and we've stuck to that mostly. But I feel like we get roped into basketball obviously because we are basketball fans. And then on top of that, I mean the podcast universe has expanded and evolved where I think most podcasts are out all the fucking time. So you know we're pretty light duty in February usually, but uh, the fans demand more. And that being said, we try to we. We do try to put stuff on the Patreon channel with some regularity too. So mm-hmm. spend that money. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I do want to say that days before all the bullshit went down in Auburn, and I do want to talk about Brian Harson at some point because I'm fascinated by just the implosion going on down in Auburn, Alabama. But uh, Drinkowitz went down there and swooped away some some players. And he obviously was smelling what was going on down in Auburn way and thought, hey, maybe I can get somebody off the transfer portal. So good on him. 
drink continues to inspire confidence. So yeah, just as long as he doesn't hire a cheerleader as an assistant coach to pork, <laughs> uh, like Brian Harson did, we should be fine. That's right. We'll be just fine. All right, Colin. Till uh, till then, M I Z. Z O U. This basketball team gives me diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs>